We're going to dive deep into the topic of forming deeper relationships, why they're important, how to build them, and how to apply these principles to different types of relationships in our lives. So sit back, relax, and let's gain some new perspectives. So I'm going to start with just a, a monologue on just a little bit on the psychology behind it, and then we'll sort of discuss our perspectives from there. So forming deeper connections is a fundamental human need, deeply rooted in our psychology. From an evolutionary perspective, humans are social creatures. We've survived and thrived as a species because of our ability to form strong social bonds and work together. Psychologically, forming deep connections is tied to our sense of identity and self-worth. When we form deep connections, we feel seen, understood, and valued for who we are. This validation is crucial for our self-esteem and mental health. One psychological theory explains the importance of deep connections is attachment theory. This theory suggests that our early relationships with our caregivers shape our ability to form secure attachments and deep connections later in life. Secure attachments are associated with a host of positive outcomes, including better stress management, healthy relationships, and overall well-being. Moreover, the social exchange theory suggests that we form and maintain relationships based on a cost-benefit analysis. Deep connections are likely to offer more benefits, emotional support, companionship, shared experiences, and fewer costs, and make them more satisfying and stable. Deep connections also play a crucial role in our emotional health. According to the broaden and build theory of positive emotions, positive social connections can broaden our thinking and build our personal resources, leading to increased happiness, resilience, and life satisfaction. So in essence, forming deep connections is not just a nice to have, but a fundamental aspect of our psychology and well-being. It's how we grow, learn, and navigate the world around us. It's how we support is found in times of stress, shared joy in times of happiness, and ultimately it's how we realize our shared humanity. So, Vahagen, welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening for <laughs> thank me, you. Uh, but early morning for yourself, yeah? <laughs> uh, it's it's mid-morning. Um, thank you, Stephen. Always great to be on the podcast. Um, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. You know, uh, I, I love thinking about relationships, reflections on love and relationships is something that I've been reflecting on in the past several years. So I've uh, had some observations and reflections and readings on this stuff. So always happy to talk about it and uh, excited to see where this conversation goes. So you started this by framing a couple questions uh, like why do people want to go into relationships? And I think you beautifully put it in that monologue that it's a part of who we are. It's a core part of the human experience and even like part of the experience that is predates humanity uh, predates like homo sapien of us being social creatures like having these relationships is a key part of our identity no exactly right we spend so much time you know interacting with people and you know forming connections and finding activities around those connections and you know even in like everything you know we do in the workplace or you know family obligations or, you know, your life partner or friends, you know, there's, those are all, you know, relationships and they're important. And this stuff sort of ties in a lot. And I think when you're struggling with these things, that's when you feel it the most. And that's when you really realize how much a core part of, you know, the human experience, you know, uh, relationships and, you know, the depth of relationships, you know, is. Yeah, you know, it's sometimes you can get into this like zone of, being 
so distracted about things or so absorbed in something like maybe a hardcore video gamer or, or you know hardcore sportsman or work but he or work yeah work obsessed and you think yeah that's that's life and i don't need to think about other things but i think in those zones they sort of have a time limit because i think maybe the fixation maybe allows you to not notice the effects of kind of drawing away from your relationships and kind of maybe letting them wither and so you think oh no you know i'm going on i'm happy or whatever but then you know struggle to have deeper relationships or you don't have any close friends and i think it starts wearing on you and at some point you kind of you crack and you just feel like a sense of maybe loneliness and you know having or unfulfilling friends you know a lot of people can say you know when they went through high school they you know made all these cool friends and stuff and you know afterwards they're like there was there was nothing you know fulfilling or you know meaningful in those relationships you know i mean sometimes coin it it's like yeah your high school friends in quotes as opposed to you know maybe the connections you make but you know a lot of people make lifelong friends in high school but i guess it's just the notion of of their importance so i mean to you what what's the kind of a nice definition of the having depth in your relationships in life hmm so there's a lot to unpack here. I guess let's start with like, what is a relationship? Um, like I see a relationship as being any connection between you and other things. If for now we can call it just sentient things, we can even just say humans, but like you can clearly have relationships with pets. You can have relationships with like plants there's a, like a whole spectrum and a whole variety of connections and relationships that you can have. And you can even have very dull relationships with other people. Like I've seen like statistics that we're facing like, like a loneliness epidemic in this current generation where so many people are feeling more ice, more isolated than ever from each other, especially in, in the U S I don't know how it is in South Africa, but a lot of it in the U.S. is driven by lacking any communal places to meet with people, having a lot of our interactions with even our friends being like very surface level and like very text based and online versus like in person. Then going to the question you actually posed me, like what is a deep relationship? I think it's a it's a difficult question to answer because I think everyone has like a different version of what like depth means for them in terms of a relationship. So maybe we can talk about our own personal like ver things that we look for in a or we consider important in a deep relationship. And maybe from that we can come up with a definition. For myself, I think... Maybe I want to just mention on the the stats things like, you know, I was seeing stats where, you know, different genders, but like I saw the one on men where, you know, men don't have a lot of men don't have many close relationships and some, you know, don't even have mm -hmm. any close, which is crazy, right? I don't think it's actually crazy. I think it, <laughs> it was yeah. an inevitability. I'll explain why in a yeah. bit. I think part of it is meaning, you know, like why, why would I, you know, think on this and you know, make proactive efforts to, you know, keep this going. So maybe there's a inherent worth functionally. I don't think that's the core thing, but you know, there's, there is the kind of things I think uh, that was mentioned, like, you know, um, support systems, which is really important. 
and just being able to relate and, you know, so on. And I think for me, like part of it is, uh, is intellectual. Part of it is maybe interests and, you know, maybe a bit of vulnerability. And, you know, when I feel like if I can have like really kind of have really meaningful, you know, conversations that kind of impact me and then maybe even impact them. And, you know, I just feel like, you know, my brain's firing in all quadrants and it's just kind of really draws you in. And then, you know, that's the one level, but I think another level is the, is more even personal than that. It's the, Hey, I've had these life experiences and you've had those and being able to honestly chat about these things. Cause I think the superficial, you know, feeling as, you know, the opponent of, you know, we can talk about only certain things. Like if I think about superficial relationships, you know, it's like it's uncomfortable territory to talk about certain important personal things or even certain hot topics. So there's all these barriers kind of limiting you from, I find some of the most interesting things. And, you know, then you go to a deep relationship. There's not none of those barriers. It's like, yeah, you can share these important parts of yourself and, you know, defining you know, moments and so on. And in a way that's exciting and not something you have to toe, step around. And then, you know, having like conversations on, you know, hot topics or just stimulating things or being able to throw, you know, like all those weapons, opinions back and forth to, you know, kind of have like a nice partly challenge and just partly a process that's not just about kind of buying the town and a bit of fun, although sure it is a lot of fun in it takes up some good time but it's something where you feel like you're building something and you're cultivating something and i think the telltale like signs is if i finish hanging out with that person or you know whoever they are and i'm excited to for the next interaction and i i almost am thinking about the interaction you know like going over like oh that was cool or that was interesting and or even just being concerned about you know their well-being and Maybe this is all about kind of placing value and also the meaning you get through it. But it's, I almost sometimes feel like an emotional uh, aspect. Like I feel an emotion if I'm like, wow, this is kind of the feeling of deep. And then like another sort of, there's a feeling of kind of being like having that almost, I don't know, superhero, uh, uh, you know, um, not sidekick, but you know, like another guy in the arena of kind of that cool back and forth, that kind of really like challenging ideas and so I think it's a lot of things, but there's like a, a feeling, a meaning, and uh, just also the kind of more visually valuable things. So <laughs> I guess that's my bundle. There's a lot to it. And as you said, there's a lot of types of, I think, deep connections. But I, when I have a lack of them, I can feel it. You know, I feel mm -hmm. like maybe I'm just passing the time when I'm in social interactions. Maybe... You know, I'm feeling I'm not in the right circles. So, and uh, like there's this frustration that can build up. You know, I've had periods where, oh, a hot topic hits the table or ooh, a personal story hits the table. And then someone immediately just kind of brushes it off. Like that, mm -hmm. that wasn't such a like gift someone had, you know, given to us. Like, I think those yeah. kind of things are, you know, gifts someone adds to the table. It's like, oh, cool, we can engage on this. And, you know, this could be a beautiful thing in a moment we share. And then it just gets get brushed off or it's like people are like, oh, it's a bit awkward. Or, And, yeah, I, I feel the 
when there's an abundance and I feel when there's a lack, like as a, in the heart almost, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I think you touched on basically what I, so what I'm seeing here, maybe to summarize and you can correct me if like, maybe this isn't the right summary, but, um, maybe we can agree that a deep connection or a deep relationship is one that affects you on multiple levels. Yes. The, the impact, I think that's a big factor. Mm -hmm. Whether it's intellectually, emotionally, physically, all of the above. Um, and I think thinking about what you're saying about when you can feel it in your heart, when you're lacking these things, I, I think about how a lot of those feelings that we get when you feel like there's something missing in your life or feel like there's something missing in your heart. That's a lot. A lot of times that's, is our feelings telling us that like maybe our, our emotional needs aren't being met. And it could be that we don't understand what our emotional needs are yet, but our heart knows that our emotional needs aren't being met. And I think that a lot of people try to, they feel that feeling that something isn't fulfilling and they try to fill it with other, with relationships. And that's something that I tried to do in the past. Like I was, I was dating a lot, uh, trying to find someone like trying to find the a relationship that worked for me, but it wasn't until I stopped and then reevaluated, like figured out what my, what my needs were like emotionally, physically. And then once I figured out what my needs were, it became much clearer to me what kind of relationships I wanted to have. And it became more effortless to have those relationships. Because ultimately, what is like a relationship between two people, complex people, right? Two very complex people. And the relationship between them will be equally, if not even more complex than the complexity of the two people on their own yeah. relationships don't get enough credit for the difficulty in them and like the amount of complexity and uniqueness in them i have this belief that every relationship is truly unique because the people involved in it or the entities involved in it are unique yeah there are some archetypes though, right? Like there are romantic relationships, there are friendship relationships, there are parental relationships, there are platonic relationships. And um, a bit of an aside, a historical aside, Plato actually thought, viewed platonic relationships as the pinnacle of relationship. That once you get past the like the physical aspects of a relationship and the baser needs, and once the relationship evolves to the point where the only reason you are together is for that intellectual and emotional connection, that is the purest form of relationship, according to Plato. That's that's very interesting. Maybe yeah, I think he's definitely onto something. I do feel like those other aspects are important, but. I think sometimes maybe those other aspects he's talking about, the intellectual and the emotional, start as maybe a smaller fish at the beginning, and those sort of grow. And these other things that drew you in initially, they sort of just kind of move just a little bit to the side because they're mm -hmm. not like the whole factor now. They're, you know, they're a part of it. And so maybe there is a bit of this rebalancing of what are the big sort of factors in this kind of deep sort of relationship 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like one of the first things we notice about people is their physical aspects. And one of the first things like signals we get is whether we are attracted to those physical aspects. Um, and so it makes sense that that's like the gate that maybe yeah. that's what like gets you to enter. Like most people are, we're probably less likely to try to make friends with someone who we find repulsive looking versus someone who we find very attractive. Like all things like held the same if like these are two complete strangers coming together. Like usually it's the more visual aspects that will like be the first trigger. And, you know, also like initial engagement, like maybe more lighthearted interactions, um, linking, you know, seeing the synergy between humors, picking up, you know, basic behavioral things. So those all, you know, kind of get the ball rolling and they are important, but also seeing, you know, compatibility things, you know, how you mesh on certain levels. And then once that groundwork's sort of firm and established, then you feel you're comfortable to, you know, open up. And then also intellectually, you know, <laughs> you've got, you know, a lot of the time you're spending with each other is, uh, bent, you know, chatting or, you know, just hanging out and mm-hmm. having authentic conversations. And so, you know, sometimes people will neglect that because the, the other things are good, but you know, that's a lot of time to not have that in a relationship. So building on that, like the whole idea of, you know, maybe you want to slowly work your way to the more deep, to the deeper things. I think a lot of it can be traced back to your own value system and your own comfortability with being vulnerable. And I noticed this within myself and I've seen this within a lot of my guy friends and going back to the whole discussion on male loneliness, right? Like for me, it's not, I'm not surprised that like more and more men are coming out and saying that they have no deep connections with people because in a lot of the societies that men grow up in are more patriarchal and focus more on men. Like men aren't taught to be emotionally vulnerable with themselves or to even understand what their emotions are. Um, A lot of times where focused so much maybe we're f- focused on our careers and instead of focusing on our own emotions we focus more on providing on in a financial way maybe we focus more on trying to be look masculine and masculinity is often is historically been tied with stoicism and not showing any emotions and to the point where we don't even being vulnerable with ourselves about our emotions yeah. and i think that Uh, How I view vulnerability and being like being vulnerable is that being vulnerable with another person is actually the easy part. The hard part is being vulnerable with yourself because that you first have to admit that there is this is a weakness in you. You kind of have to um, accept that you aren't perfect. This is something that you like a reckoning that you will have to come to. It's like when you're young and you get like a, some kind of health issue. And for all up until that point of your life, you were like, I am invincible. I will live forever. And then something happens and you're sitting there in your bed, like sick or broken. And you're like, I'm going to die. <laughs> this, this is real. 
Yeah, I suppose there's moments where it gets a bit harder to ignore those challenges. You know, when everything's good or everything's very... Uh, and that's focused, where outbursts yeah. usually happen. Like if you're so used to bottling up these challenges, these emotions, like it builds up pressure. And at a point you will break and you will you will yell, you will maybe cry, maybe you will like shut down and not want to talk to people. Maybe you will shut off relationships in your life. You'll do basically do drastic things that maybe are counterproductive to what you want to do or to how you like what your value system is, but you won't be able to control it because you have bottled up all of this pain for so long. Yeah. If I think on, you know, growing up in school, like the things we were focused on was, you know, just like having, you know, good old fun uh, on the good side, you know, jokes and, you know, feelings like you know drinking and experiences and the things we weren't so focused on was you know one was you know emotions because you know emotions at that stage would be seen as a weakness or even just a anomaly to the the group and so you know you would hide those or you wouldn't talk about those because kids would you know have decided through you know social grooming that those are not things we talk about uh, as i said with the societal styles of what we can you know acknowledge and then you know even intellectually like those things were kind of ignored like deeper conversations and you know finding those things and uh, the only way we would challenge issues isn't humor you know making fun of it i think maybe this mm-hmm. is the thing you everything you that's challengeable is either just kind of you know blown up off as uh, we just joke about that or ooh, it's too personal or too uncool or you know too just beyond the the social norm as you said a manualist expert like yeah sports sports you know (laughs) that's a symbol of you know maybe uh, strength and manualist and testosterone and you know finding partners and you know being in a relationship those are all symbols of maybe oh, you're a value and, you know, oh, you're a ladies' man. And so we were focused on all these things and we were neglected so many of the other things. And, you know, if you this is you growing up, this is you, you know, learning to understand the world around you. This is you learning the building blocks of, you know, relationships. And this is you during part of your life where you're forming your identity, you know, who you are, how you understand the world and how you interact with the world. And so during this very crucial time, we were kind of, going through these relationship, you know, thoughts and dynamics that are sometimes destructive or at least neglecting all these other important parts that are not taught to us or not highlighted or just ignored. And yeah, so there's this kind of feels like this, this, this bridge almost between that kind of life that I felt was more lived through societal pressures and viewpoints kind of being, you know, thrown on us till this later in life when you've kind of broken out of that and you've sort of formed more individualistic and, you know, unique viewpoints that maybe challenge the things that you're expected to, to think. And, you mm-hmm. know, you've become more comfortable and with vulnerability and stuff. And so the type of relationships and interactions you have and are craving are totally disjoint um, when you're kind of learning these things, but also in this bubble of 
yeah, we don't talk about those things. We don't have those very deep connections because it's not important. And then going once you've had a, a lack of it and you've also grown some wisdom and understanding to have like this sometimes abundance of it or at least seeking the abundance. And so I think that disparity creates some problems that I think sometimes linger with you. Yeah, I mean, how do we learn? How do we learn like what a deep relationship looks like or how to be emotionally vulnerable? From the relationships we see around us, right? Yeah, yeah, usually. And like that could be parents, close friends. It's usually parents, at least growing up as children. Um, like usually how we learn is through seeing example because like no one really teaches you what how to form like good relationships or like what you should be doing to develop like uh, at least I never got taught how to develop like deeper relationships. Like a lot of my like guy friends were on very similar levels. Like my parents had a very bad relationship um, and they were divorced for most of my life. Um, I was accustomed to my, my dad like immigrated from Armenia. So, and we had a very like old country conservative mindset of like the man shouldn't like show any vulnerability whatsoever. Um, where to the point where he'd like get upset at me if I ever like cried or anything like that. So ultimately you need, uh, like you, you do kind of need someone to teach you and, I guess at some point I realized that we have the capacity to kind of teach ourselves because if you want to be, like I said earlier, if you want to be vulnerable in a relationship, the first part aspect is to be vulnerable with yourself. You're living your life, right? You know, there's all this, yeah. there's all these parts about you that are, you know, maybe interesting and important and, you know, some, but of it's uncomfortable. You- yeah, I, I mean, think some of it I think you're not you, proud of, right? Or you're, you're yeah. embarrassed about. Yeah, it's it's like you mentioned, like uh, when you're growing up, like a lot of guys wouldn't talk about emotions or like would avoid like maybe deeper intellectual conversations that involved controversy because like these things involve discomfort because it, we have to like confront something about ourselves that we assumed was true before, maybe a, a bias that we had that we now have to change. We're like, it's a part of changing your mind and changing your mind can be a very uncomfortable if you're not used to it, if you want to be rigid. No, and it's almost putting yourself on the line, isn't it? Because now, you know, if you go into maybe more stimulating, maybe more controversial topics or, you know, that feel very intellectual to you. Those topics, um, you may, you have to have viewpoints and opinions, like real opinions mm-hmm. that matter and that, and they're maybe impactful. Yeah. And so, you know, you're going to be judged on those opinions. And so quality or types of opinions all of a sudden have an impact on how the world around you, you know, internal impact you. So as opposed to just kind of going with the norm and just saying, you know, things and just, you know, focusing all on doing, doing, doing things and not actually, you know, challenging ideas or thinking about more concepts and bigger things, the bigger pictures. Yeah, you're putting yourself on the line in that way. And I think people sometimes are scared to upset people or to have your know, real opinions that you take aside that, you know, where someone else might, you know, be totally against it, or maybe they're kind of adjacent or something. But there's kind of a fear that we've built around it. And then, you know, also putting ourselves in lines emotionally in terms of 
if you share an experience, you know, you're not just telling some story of, you know, something you pretended to do or something that you saw someone else do. You're telling your story. You're telling mm-hmm. a story that maybe people will, you know, make judgments about. Or maybe there's things that will affect how people treat you. Maybe give them insights into who you are, really. And maybe that's a unveiling you're scared to do. So there is a bit of, I suppose, risk in it. Yeah. That what if people of, disagree? You know, what if people exactly. say, like, hear your story and they say, oh, you're you're weird. I don't think I want to be friends with you anymore. Like, these are the fears that are probably subconsciously going through your mind of like, if I present myself in this relationship, what if the relationship ceases to be? Exactly. And then where would I where would I be in this? Like, if my whole point was to have this relationship and but being myself means the relationship will not exist anymore then like there's a reckoning to come to and the more you hide the harder it actually gets you know the more time you spend not voicing yourself and meaning is to you and all these ideas the harder it is to get to share them you know those ideas haven't been acknowledged and you know you haven't felt a sense of approval and you haven't had time to flesh them out and develop very you know them more concretely and that you know mm-hmm will create more opportunities for people to poke holes at it and find reasons to judge it or see flaws. And that lack of cultivation maybe fuel these problems. And being unable to, you know, cope with telling your story or, you know, saying something that's happened to you and feeling judged and not feeling like that's okay. Your experiences are okay. You know, what you go through, there's nothing wrong with that. Not having time to work through these things and share these things creates perceptions that, oh, you know, maybe something will lash out of me or, you know, people will see that I'm not very good at engaging in these things and maybe that'll be a problem to them. And, yeah. you know, it's like you, 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 if you don't get your point across properly, then, you know, people will find a hole and they'll be like, you know, maybe you're like talking about politics and you say something and they're like, wait, are you supporting that person when you're actually just trying to more talk about the philosophy behind it? And so that like misinterpretation could get you maybe in trouble. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, right? It's a mix between trying to cultivate these things, but process to do that it deters you from, you know, even trying. Yeah. So, but I guess why, why should it deter you? There's like two factors. People don't want to be judged and people don't want to feel hurt. And, you know, part of that is people don't want to feel inferior, don't want to feel like they don't matter and they don't want to feel like they don't belong to the group. And so if your opinions are bad, that might make you feel like the way you're living life is bad or, you know, what you say doesn't have meaning, which means maybe your experiences that led up to these conclusions are flawed. And then, you know, being part of a group, you know, if you, if you say something and you feel like no one accepts it and you, you know, you interact with people and you share an emotion and no one, you know, relates to it, you feel like maybe these are unrelatable emotions. Maybe these are things that, you know, no one would make me feel part of their group. And, you know, it's, I think it's a tricky one. There's this kind of typical, you know, human um, drivers that are there. The risk of those things not happening. It's not even them not happening necessarily. The problem is it's even the risk of them not happening. It's the perceived 
version of those things that's that actually mm. can become the big problem as opposed to the things themselves the fear of if i get hurt i'll never stand up again if a group you know if someone disagrees with me or someone doesn't like me i'll never make friends you haven't actually not made friends and you haven't actually that hasn't happened to you but the fear of it and the reluctance and the risk just makes it as if it has happened i can i understand the fear and i've been and i am i've been thinking about this as you've been talking this kind of reminds me of a passage i have in my philosophy journal i have a couple of these passages but this one is that nothing is personal i can read some of it if you'd like it's not too it's not too long no please we'd love to hear nothing is personal we live personalized existences even the reality we observe is cherry picked by our minds to highlight certain details over others. All we observe is from the reference of ourself. Everything we do and say is based on this same self-reference. We act based on ourselves, not others. Perhaps others also have this same self-based life. Perhaps the acts of others reflect more on them than on us. Perhaps the events that happen around us happen at us and not to us. Perhaps we are not the intention of the universe. Perhaps others don't act or say from the perspective of us. Nothing as personal as acceptance that events happen and we simply observe them. Personalizing external events and the reactions of others is a narrative driven by ego, a filter we place on the world. Remove this filter to see more clearly. So, in this context, I've been thinking about how, you know, you say, well, what if we share an idea that we have that other people don't agree with? Well, there are actually a couple aspects of this. First of all, the reaction of others has nothing to do with us and is more to do with them and their own ideas and beliefs. But then all, secondly, there's the question of, well, if you notice that multiple people in your, if your whole community is saying, hey, this isn't an idea that we agree with, that's actually important for you to recognize and then reflect on what if this idea I have isn't even a personal idea? This is easy in the case of politics. A lot of political views people have aren't based on their own beliefs, like strong personal belief system as much as ideas presented to them by media or parents or like colleagues or something like that. It, it takes a lot of effort to come up with like personal philosophies and personal beliefs. And if, and like I even, I hold tons of ideas and beliefs that like really aren't very strongly held. Very, I don't, tie them to me and I make them, I let them be very easily changed because I accept I can be wrong. Maybe there are things I haven't thought about very deeply and I recognize that and I'm willing to say like, hey, if people are saying like that their lived experience is different from what I'm saying or how they understand the world is different from it, it's worth it for me to reflect on it and see if this is an idea that I actually want to keep holding. If it is, if it is an idea that I decide is actually very strong to my beliefs as a core, as a core of who I am, and if my community decides, oh, we don't actually respect that idea, 
then maybe that's a signal that this isn't a welcoming community for me. Yes. It is interesting. You know, I think as you develop these things, you become more of a unique person. You're not just the collection of other people's ideas and the collection of other people's emotions. You know, you're someone who's actually fleshing these out. You've, you're to someone else. That's what's interesting, right? Isn't that what really draws you in about someone is the conclusions they've come up with, the experiences they've had, the emotions that they've yeah. felt and the actions they've taken due to those emotions. And that is a, you know, unique and, you know, beautiful, you know, a thing, all of that, to, to see those very human, very kind of developed, very personalized things. And, you know, we, as you said, we all have lots of ideas and things we borrow. Not everything's important to us. And so we don't necessarily do the research. And sometimes it is just fun to have the, the thoughts of a group. You know, there's something about that being part of a, a group of ideas and because then, you know, you can take a side. There's not confusion. You, it's very easy to take a stance on something when you're a collection of ideas. Uh, when you have to actually put your idea and hold to it, even when there's different factors, you know, it's tricky. So it's important anyway, to recognize that we're more than just a collection of ideas. We are like the lived experience behind those ideas. We are the consciousness that came up with those thoughts. We're the, we're the consciousness that feels what we feel and it understands the world and who we are as we do. And you can have, I mean, I have many like close relationships where sometimes there are things we disagree on and that's fine. No, I even think that's, that's kind of a cool thing because that's, that shows you a, a process and an interaction as opposed to just sharing, just passing along. It's like if you look at knowledge like books, like someone gave you a book and you, you're like a librarian, you give it to someone else. But in you know that example, you've actually two people who've both had to you know reconcile maybe differences and be like, you know, that idea existing doesn't negatively impact me. That's just something that exists and is important to someone else for their for for different reasons to why my idea is important to me. So just that interaction of like, cool, we disagree on something or that interaction of you lose you, I'll do I, you know, agree to disagree or, you know, agree to engage and have a back and forth in a healthy, constructed way. You know, that's the key thing. Mm -hmm. These are like very unique interactions and very personalized interactions where you really get to know people, you know, um, to know the person, what they're about. So if you just do everything surface level and you don't engage in these things and don't have these experiences like having a hefty conversation happen, I mean, you're, you're kind of touching the surface at the, you know, the portrayed surface, the, the level that the person's allowing you to maybe the wall they've put like that level that they've just portrayed to the world. But maybe, you know, the more to them that's there doesn't get as much light as it could. So if anything, I mm -hmm. think those, those discussions are really valuable and very interesting. I think you know, if everyone agreed on everything, you you would learn a lot less about people and can't re respect people to the point where you can just agree on a different opinion. Or even, you know, if you both agree on things, just challenging that or just, um, you know, building that up, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of value in that. And it really, you know, showcases your individuality 
and also I love it when you have a I call it like when you have a th thought process as opposed to an exchange of ideas you know we, we hear things you know we all and we share them and that's cool but when you have a process together a thought process of it's almost like you know two halves of machine you know functioning together and you know the clocks are ticking and you know the different aspects and you know you come mm -hmm. out that out with something you've kind of built together you've built an understanding together or you've built an exchange together yeah so I, think I love those, doing that do you have an example you know, of when you like when was the last time you did something like that building a thought together with someone it's not always easy because like conversations can go sort of all directions and stuff but i had a was an interesting discussion on uh, it was a mix of it's actually one that i might end up having on about you know like data and um ai and privacy and predicting things mm -hmm. and kind of just fleshing out like you know what is the, what is a world with all those factors you know look like um you know now and in the that, future that's and, funny because you know, i, I literally know. just recorded an episode about something like that <laughs> a conversation <laughs> but, like that yeah this was a recent one but it's it was cool because it was taking these things that are happening and taking these ideas and kind of theory crafting the world we live in further like you know trying to create maybe um inferences from it and directions and you know find reasons why and kind of going that and then taking that little you know bundle of um insight and like saying well where can it go where should it go isn't that important that's applying ethics right that's just like example you, you kind of you've created this ideas um and kind of fleshed them out and then you've applied that set of ideas and, you know, thoughts to another context, in this case, the future context. And then you've also attached ethics to that. Um, and th those are a couple domains kind of building on each other and interacting. So that, that was, a, I think, a relatively a good example of a process. You know, we could have also just an alternate interaction could have been like, Hey, these are the things I know about AI. These are the things I know about AI. These are the things I know about data predictions. And, you know, this is what I know. And mm -hmm. they're like, cool, uh, that's it. You know, there was none of that applying ethics or uh, fleshing them out or just like having a little fun, like theory crafts. Ooh, if that happened, what would that look like? And, you know, yeah. that potential would have been lost. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think that just having a, a relationship where you can just discuss and like like come up with a like mutual philosophies through it are like super powerful. Like I have like a few like relationships where we'll just chat and like talk philosophy. And then like at the end of it, we'll sometimes come up with like a personal, I'll like have a personal philosophy that I've been like now adopted or like really like structured. Like a lot of my personal philosophies uh, were uh, unintentionally, but but kind of intentionally built with other people. Like like last year, I remember a friend and I, we were talking about, we we're talking about mindfulness and like the idea of choosing happiness. And we came up with the mantra vibe unconditionally. And this happened like kind of like we were at a party and it was like kind of weird. Like there's a weird like vibe in the air. And we were like, you know what? We're going to have a good time regardless. We we're vibing. We vibed unconditionally. And so it means that like no matter what the situation, you always show up. You always you're 
always intentional. You always are you, uh, no matter what's going on in the good and the bad. So now whenever like we're going through a rough time, we'll just remind each other to just vibe unconditionally. I think that's a really uh, cool philosophy. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's intention and it's maybe removing the distraction. It's like saying, you know, why are we here? You know, why do we, why do we enjoy this, this interaction and hanging out? And once you've got yeah. a couple of those answered, you know what to look for when you're somewhere, as opposed to just trying to figure it out, even if it's an unfortunate scenario. Yeah, it's like, you know, I was saying I'm comfortable in my own skin. I don't care. I don't really need to care about what's going on around me because regardless of the situation I'm in, I can choose to be miserable or I can choose to be happy and vibe. And, you know, you can be, you can choose to be miserable. It is an easy choice to make in a lot of cases, but what's it? It's really only hurting yourself. No, exactly. But, but you're right. Perspective's huge. Like, so in this kind of process of you guys coming up with this shared philosophy and, you know, me coming up with the shared ideas, I think like there's a trust you build in your guys, there's a, you know, partly a trust that when you're in these interactions, you know, you're going to have a good time, you're going to vibe. And also mm-hmm. that you're both enacting it. So you both, you know, adopted that there's value in this idea. And you now I wasn't there for the process, but in my process, you know, if you think about it, the trust came through a little bit of risks, right? And a little bit of using, you know, our relationship as it is currently. You know, I may have, I said, you know, controversial statements maybe he said some of those i mm-hmm. you know put my emotions i have attached to these things out there you know those could be judged i've uh, mm-hmm. you know showcased my problem solving intellectual ability you know that that could be judged i've i've you know maybe said some else statements i've you know made jokes you know all of these things um are at the mercy of being perceived um in you know any sort of direction and I've accepted their ideas, right? And I've engaged and I've, I haven't just said, you said a thing, I said a thing, uh, let's go with my thing. I've said, you said a thing, hmm, okay, well, let's build that a bit more. And then, oh no, you know, also another idea comes up, let's build that. And it's this acceptance, accepting a gift and, you know, passing one back and then taking a risk, you know, saying something, throwing out your silliest idea or, you know, throwing out an opinion or challenging something in a way that, oh, the police aren't going to come. It's just the two of you having an interaction and not worrying about the income and learning about each other and hopefully getting something great of it in terms of developing your connection, but also the ideas and philosophies and exchanges you had. So yeah, I think that's really cool that you, you guys had such a good interaction that led to such an interesting philosophy that you guys oh, yeah. had and- this shared thing, right? Every time we have like excellent interactions, even when like we're both in like difficult head spaces, we respect each other enough to like and trust each other enough that like sometimes we get into difficult head spaces and like it strains the relationship, but we know to like give the other time and then it, it ends up being okay. I've f- had fights with some people in my in various friendships and relationships, and but like it's all about respecting each other to know what's best for us. And trusting that if they that they care about the relationship and that if they care about the relationship, it will be okay. And we want to think that, of course, we can trust people. But trust 
And a statement like, of course, and inevitabilities is like it kind of a paradox because trust requires doubt. Trust basically implies uncertainty. You're making a leap of faith that someone is going to act in the maybe in the best interest of the relationship or that they're not going to say uh, your idea is crazy. I don't I don't like it. I don't like you or trusting yourself to properly represent your position in a way that like is honest with yourself and but doesn't hurt the other person. So that's like a truly crucial aspect of building these deeper relationships. And if you find yourself unable to trust someone, it's good to ask yourself why. Where is that distrust coming from? Is it something that they did that hurt you in a way that like made you realize you can't trust them again? Or is it something about you and your faith, your belief in people? Uh, further this point by asking a question. Can you have a deep relationship with a total stranger? Maybe in the sense of you can have a deep interaction. I have to think on it. It is a bit of a challenging one to, to say that will happen because you, you don't have a lot of the story behind it. You know, you don't know the meaning and there's, it's a lot to say, I'll just put myself out there and believe that they'll be okay with it and hoping that they feel comfortable enough around you to to do the same and so i think i'm more towards i think level some levels of depth perhaps like you can have a very intellectual conversation with someone you can have a you know even an emotional you know journey with them and share some of your things but it's quite tricky because that's a lot of risk to take with someone you've just met but sometimes people do do that and those moments can be, you know, really special. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully you, I, you, you make friends with them. But yeah. I personally love to do it. I love having like deep connections with total strangers because there's no history behind with us. I sometimes I won't even learn their names until the end of our conversations. But like uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was on like a sailboat and I was, this guy started chatting with me and we started chatting just about like politics and economy and kind of like um, surface level stuff. But I was like, you know, I'm very, very comfortable expressing my beliefs. And I was pushing back on a lot of the stuff he was saying because I thought it was a bit reactionary and misinformed. And then like as we were discussing, we were building trust within each other. And it got to the point where by the end, I got to learn about um, his upbringing, like how he grew up with deaf parents, the abuse that his grandfather had for him, how he felt when his grandfather died, like the relief he felt for forgiving himself for letting go of his uh, his like anger toward his grandfather, like all these deep things that like he may not like some of his friends may not even know. I like I got to learn about him and it was a really beautiful moment to see him as like a full story. And even though the relationship ended after the boat, the boat like came back to shore, it doesn't mean that it wasn't meaningful and it wasn't like a powerful moment. And I do have a another excerpt of my uh, philosophy journal that I that is very related to this. It is titled, You Never Know Who Will Change Your Life. 
Everyone close to you started as a stranger. It is only circumstance that brought you together and your mutual intention to start the relationship. Even your most intimate relationships started with nothing. Who are we to proclaim who will be close to us and who won't? Every life is worthy of love. Every person is a unique story that starts off unknown to you. When we open our hearts to others, we open ourselves to near infinite possibilities. Learning the stories of strangers can enrich our lives and create a greater sense of a larger community. Give others a chance. They might pleasantly surprise you. I love that. That's really cool. Maybe like strangers is a a good time to, to exercise this, you know, engaging on a more deep level and engaging on a more vulnerable level because you, you take the stakes out of it. <laughs> it's that kind of nameless, yeah. you know, after this, if it goes badly, well, you know, never see them again. If it goes good, we had an interaction and we can leave it there and there's, there's nothing else to come out of it. Maybe the, we create a problematic thing of this idea of permanence, you know, where ooh, we can't mess up. Like, this, this relationship has to be the, um, the one that lasts forever. Or this friendships, you know, their best friends life, you know. And it's, obviously, it's very good to have long-running things and keep them strong and stuff. But sometimes you put so much importance on a thing being permanent that you, you don't look at the, what it looks like in the now. And you don't, you don't brave yourself to have these interactions because you're fearful of what you're going to lose. You know, we've had, oh, we've had so many good experiences together. If I, you know, try to be, show that more vulnerable or personal side of myself and it goes wrong, well, now I've lost this thing I've built up. And so sometimes we can get in our own way because of that. Yeah. And there's history. There's the other person, the the longer they've known you, the more, the stronger of an idea of who you are they have in their head. It's like, it's like they have a map, right? They have a map of who you are in their head and it gets strengthened over time. And so if you say like, oh, I have this part of me that they don't even know about, this is like a, a completely new spot on the map that like they didn't even know existed you'd be probably like rightfully a little nervous to tell them because what would happen if their whole view of you shook? And that's why I think sometimes it's hardest to be vulnerable with those who are closest to us. Ironically, as ironic as it sounds, be like sometimes like it's difficult for me to be vulnerable with my parents because of the extensive history we have. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, just you've you've lived a... A good part of a life together right there's a lot of a lot at stake and a lot of experiences and a lot of perceptions you know they've learned this is how memory yeah like parents parents will oftentimes remember you as a child more than you as an adult so when they think of you they'll remember a lot of the your formative years which can be very different from who you are now in fact they you know maybe perceived that you acting outside of this ideal that's been built, you know, this this collection of memories that's made form is an error on your part, you know, ooh, you know, yeah. they have You've this changed. aspect of him. It's like, ooh, are they on, no, typical families kind of, are they on drugs, you know? <laughs> or, yeah. you know, what's going on? <laughs> 
Or, yeah, you know, like, oh, you used to be such a good, a good little kid. <laughs> some example, like, oh, you've been playing, playing your guitar your whole life, but now you want to play the drums. It's like, you know, what happened? Have you, have you lost motivation to, you know, something got wrong? And why, why this other thing? You know, it's like we, we didn't teach you that. You know, what, you know, influence is giving this to you? And mm-hmm. so, isn't that kind of strange? It's like almost being yourself can be perceived as something's gone wrong that's made you not be yourself. Yeah, and to me, that's showing disrespect toward the relationship or at least to you, like saying like, oh, you should have exactly what I told you. Because it's not respecting you to make the best decisions for you or not trusting you to make the best decisions for you. Yeah, I suppose they were at a phase of your life where... Maybe you are still learning how to make those, you know, decisions. But you know, they get to the point yeah. where you're, you're on your feet. You know, you've, you're starting to build a life for yourself, or you have built a life for yourself. And maybe it's time to, you know, just let it be. I think also sometimes maybe people have someone's relied on them to help them so much that 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 person may perceive that they, you know, they they aren't on their feet and that they always need this. Because it's what they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, but I think, yeah, be true to yourself. You know, people who are with it will understand and acknowledge that you can change or you can have other things to you that they didn't know. And if anything, maybe that's an exciting thing. You know, learning about someone else's little you know, core parts of themselves, their little gemstones you never knew about. I treat it as a gift. Anytime anyone like, gives like let's like lets me in on who they are i treat it as a gift because it is a gift it's a gift to be cherished like it's difficult for us to be vulnerable with each other or to be honest with who we are it's even difficult for us to be honest with ourselves about who we are so i think it's something that should be like should be um rewarded and praised like i make sure to like i will always show affirmations to anyone who you know shows me a little bit about who they are takes that leap with me because i truly want and i truly believe that we will would live in a less lonely world if people weren't as afraid to be vulnerable um and part of that is teaching people that there can be like positive affirmations there can be warmth and love when you are vulnerable it doesn't have to just be like sorrow and hurt yeah and they on top of you know these the philosophies and the using these tools and ideas with you there's proactive things you could do in the process like you can as you said you can affirm things you can let you know them know that you know that's okay or i really like that Thing you shared about me or i love that part about you and then they're like well then they want to share more because wow it was positively received or you know yeah. it's just saying you know like i don't judge you i understand you know i understand you know just letting them know that those ideas that they may be like you know don't have perceptions of oh maybe they do this maybe they do that and just maybe being vocal and being like no this is actually what i think and this is how i perceive this and this is how mm-hmm. this makes me feel and kind of removing the you know the taking the mask of the villain and saying taking that ambiguity of about what the person could be like what they could be thinking and being just about more open about it and then just also yeah encouraging them when they do that and even you know helping them do that like saying 
that's a that's a really cool part of your story. I want to hear more. I'm genuinely interested. I think active yeah. listening is important also, right? You know, taking in what they've said and really considering it and really saying, that's a cool thing. I don't want to discard it. I want to really, you know, listen, hear more about it and, you know, build up upon it, you know. Uh, I'm not here to just, you know, like you give me something, I grade it I'm like, oh, you know, five out of 10, uh, throw it away. Uh, you know, and then it's not, no, man, I'm, I'm here to learn about you and find the value and learn, you know, why these things are important to you and what's so cool about the different parts of you. Yeah. And like, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't go into most interactions, like trying to get like information out of people, values out of people. I like it. And I will ask questions that will give people the opportunity to give, show me a bit, a little bit about who they are, but Going back to my philosophy that nothing is personal, if someone is going to tell you a bit more about themselves on a deeper level, it's not for you. It's because of something that they wanted to do, which for me means it's even more powerful because it's not to it's not to like try to fit in or to appease you. It's because they actually want to this is something they actually want to express. And yeah. th going back to the very early conversations we had about like, you know, you say sometimes you're with a group of friends and someone says something like some like really personal anecdote and like it gets brushed over. Like that's that same situation. Like clearly they weren't presenting it for the group. They were presenting that personal anecdote because it's something that was on their mind and they wanted to say it. And provides so much encouragement and uh when you say hey that's that was really interesting i want to hear more about it and it's good to maybe think about you know what other people are looking for in the things they do their interactions like the example exactly they're expressing it for themselves they think it's important or you know that idea is important or that story is important and you know and then just you know understanding like as opposed to just looking for ideas you agree with or just talking about things that you want to say, just saying what you're saying, you know, rather you know, take a moment and be like, you know, clearly they, they found that interesting or clearly they know a lot about that thing. Maybe, maybe let's explore that and, you know, see, find that kind of common ground of, well, this is what I enjoy and this is the type of things I, I wanted out of this. And then, you know, they've got those things and kind of finding like, cool, well, where can we find a nice pl place to, you know, keep everyone excited about this interaction. Yeah. And even for things that are like not interesting to you, you can like, for instance, I remember having a chat with someone who they talked about snowboarding a lot. And like, I don't, I'm not really that into snowboarding, but I, I was like, hey, I noticed throughout this evening, you've mentioned it a lot. Like, what's your connection with snowboarding? Like, why is it so strong for you? And she explained how, like, it was a way for her to, like, connect with her, like, grandmother who, like, raised her. And I was like, whoa, that's, like, really, that's, like, really, like, powerful and impactful. And, like, that's where I started to, uh, to realize that people don't, people more often than not don't bring up things because they want to fit in. They're mostly bringing up things because it's something that they feel like they want to communicate. Yes. And I'm interested in understanding what that urge to communicate that thing was. Because for me, my how I understand myself is that that urge is a better indication of who I am on a deeper level. 
And I think that that is also the case for other people too. That's quite interesting. You know, thinking about why they said that. And then... Yeah, it's like, it's a bit of meta thinking, like thinking about where that thought came from. I, I like to explain a lot of the context behind a lot of the thoughts I have because I recognize that sometimes I'll say something, but people didn't... Uh, you may not have that same context because you're not in my head. You did not go through the thought process that I went through to get to this thought. So I'll usually explain it. And usually, maybe not everyone will explain that, but I will. But I know that this thought process is probably happening. So I'll dig into it. Yeah. And just, yeah, even the questions they ask, that's, that maybe shows the type of information they look for. And yeah, mm-hmm. and ask questions, you know, it's the only way you learn, right? And, you know, probe a bit, you know, see what type of things they really latch onto and what type of things they sort of brush off. And yeah, and I think you alluded to also communication, which is important, right? You know, actually the message getting across, you know, people understanding the, the full idea of what you're sharing, the weight of what you're saying and, you know, the meaning behind the, what you're saying and so you come across so that they can really learn what you're about. They communicate back and there's this fluid, you know, process, also systematic sort of process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, part of that's listening. Part of that is um, clarifying or you know, sharing insights um, or even just, you know, hearing their feedback. You know, just, you know, if you say something, it's nice to say, you know, I, I said that, you know, uh, what, do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, you know, and looking for opportunities, you know. I think, you know, in my improv, it's like that. You, you're you looking for opportunities. It's like, oh, they they said something that, you know, could spark like a, that kind of conversation, you know, as opposed to just keeping, you know, on the conversation that's happening. Maybe it's like, cool, let's, let's use that statement and build upon it, you know. So yeah. every, everything can be useful. I think looking for opportunities to take the base level conversation and kind of just take it somewhere really cool. They, you know, they mentioned a statement in, uh, on philosophy, um, even if it's just something they, you know, just was part of some story and you're like, you know, oh, wow, you've now, now it's out there. Now I have a great, uh, you know, opportunity to be like, cool. You've mentioned that. How, how would you feel about engaging on this? And, there's maybe even a bit of respect and consent of like, hey, you know, what do you think about discussing this idea further? Or, you know, how do you feel about this? And just getting feedback, I think, can also be quite important. So, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> no one wants to be railroaded when you're in a conversation and you're like, you know, they say things and it's like your feedback's horrible, but they don't even notice. And you've been listening <laughs> like half an hour to this like absolute trash conversation. And you just that feeling where you want to get out of a conversation. I mean, you don't want to be the person putting anyone in that scenario. You know, you, you engage and you, you listen and you see, okay, how did they take that? Uh, okay, not their thing. Let's see where we can go. Because I think, you know, there's a lot of ways to really get on with people. And you can see that, you know, people who have really good social skills and are very like comfortable being vulnerable and have really fleshed out their ideas and have, you know, a lot of self-esteem and you know, self-worth to the point where they can take those risks and engage, um, communicate efficiently and engage. And they just 
can make you know friends easily or they can have headed off the bat and have this really cool interesting conversation you know out of nothing with you know anyone and you know we don't need to, you know no one needs to be that type of person but there's there's wisdom you can take away from it and techniques and things and if you apply you know a little tidbit here and there to your interactions you know what maybe, do you find maybe are maybe way. key elements that or like nice toolbox or tips or whatever to creating these interactions is there any you know what i mean um someone mm-hmm. who's like acknowledged that maybe these aren't their strong suits it's like what can they like keep in the back of their mind when they go into a interaction so that it doesn't just go start end and nothing comes out of it well um i think all ultimately starts with you and i first want you to like do a bit of introspection to understand what are your emotional needs like what are the needs you are actually trying to have met through these through interactions with people and through relationships um because ultimately the relationships are not really the need, but like we might have other needs. Like maybe we have a need for support from others. Maybe we have a need to have others hear us out. Um, starting from there. And if, if understanding your emotional needs is something that feels foreign to you, then maybe, maybe there are some blockers that you have, some traumas in the past that are keeping you from understanding your emotions. So therapy is an excellent, is an excellent option for trying to understand your deeper traumas. But let's say you, you're like, okay, I understand my emotional needs, but I want to build deeper relationships and deeper connections and be able to freely have these deep interactions with people. Um, I would say then, it's important to uh, respect your your boundaries and tr- respect your needs and trust yourself. Trust yourself that no matter what the inter- how the interaction goes, how the other person responds, that you will be fine. You aren't going to be unshakable. You will vibe unconditionally. And then it's a matter of practice. Ultimately, like practice being vulnerable with yourself. Uh, like be vulnerable about your, be truthful with yourself about your story. And then, you know, feel free to start talking to people about it. Like usually what helps other people open up more is when you open up. Usually someone has to lead the, lead the group. And if you're comfortable with yourself, if you respect yourself and trust yourself to be okay, no matter what happens, then Being open about who you are is just as easy as like getting deep into talking about your favorite sports team or like your favorite hobby or some like some politics or philosophy, right? It can be as simple as these things that are maybe less personal to us. Yeah, it's it can go from being this big thing of how to achieve this to almost second nature maybe even too much second nature where you you throw like like too much out there and you're like oh actually this is just a person in a queue <laughs> which does go into well that's training, where you actually. have to but yeah but like that's where you have to respect yourself and your boundaries like maybe you don't need to tell everyone all of your deepest medical information uh like medical and traumas but maybe you maybe there are aspects of you that you are uh happy to be vulnerable with 
Um, I, for one, am open about almost everything in my life. There are very few things that I'm not open with, but that's because I've done a lot of work to kind of talk to myself and like be comfortable with myself. Yes. And that'll show, right? It's when someone's very comfortable about what they say and who they are. And in those moments, they share things that, you know, might shake a lot of people that that shows a lot and that 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 makes you approachable as someone to to explore those territories with it's like well if they're very able to explore that territory themselves and they're very comfortable and respectful of doing that process to themselves then maybe they're going to be those things when they we explore that territory in myself you know yeah so you're the example on maybe how other people's can take away how you might interact with them is how you interact with them yourself. Mm-hmm. 100%. It can be fun, right? It can be fun to learn these things and try, take it's super, know, risks. I, I do know. it because it's fun. I, yeah. I love to do it. I love chatting with people. I love learning about people and their stories because to me, it's like visiting an alien world or like, reading a reading a book right like reading a, a fiction or, or whatever reading a new like a new book it's like every person has like their own story their own like quirks their own way of viewing the world that in some ways is like dramatically different from mine and i learned things that like i didn't even consider like i mentioned that i met uh, a guy on a boat and he told me that he grew up with deaf parents and so he grew up learning sign language but he grew up in Israel learning sign language. And I le- got to learn about like how uh, even across all the countries in the world, there are a lot of commonalities in signing and that children learn to can learn to communicate with their hands um, like almost a year before they learn to communicate with their voice. And that no matter what part of the world you're in, if you know like a version of sign language, you can communicate with anybody. Yeah. Interpersonally, there's a lot you can do and, you know, keep, keep it fun. It's an enjoyable process and it's exciting and you get to learn great things and experience and maybe realize that the people out there are a a lot more similar to yourself than you might think. And that's, yeah. And then you, then you learn to stop fearing strangers, stop fearing people because you learn that there's a lot of good in people. You feel less lonely because your community feels a lot bigger. No, yeah. it's like interesting. You find, I guess, more in the good in people and mm-hmm. you also become less blaming of the negative things. You know, you, you realize these are struggles and you learn more yeah. about like your, your struggles and other people's struggles. So you realize there's a lot more relatability there and then there's also a lot more good once you you move past that where you know people may have reasons they act the way they do but there's this drives those key human drivers there we all seek them right and those things can create a lot of good intentions and behaviors and maybe even that part of the excitement of finding the good in them or the drive the motivation the you know, what gets them up in the morning and relating to that and it's empowering and yeah i think yeah part of this is like as you learn yourself develop yourself it kind of creates a security in how you're going to handle these situations and it builds like a self-esteem and a self-belief and 
people will act favorably to that. I think mm-hmm. people who you know, maybe struggle in these things maybe haven't built up that self-esteem and belief. And so they, they fear failure so much that they never engage. And they think that other people won't understand them. And they, you know, because there's something wrong with them. That's what they, you know, they perceive. And, you know, this is nothing more from the truth, you know. If you're just living human emotions that, you know, a lot of people go through, I mean, that's the most normal thing, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you do something totally wild that, you know, <laughs> that no no one else does, then maybe that, that, that could be a warning sign. But if you're just going through struggles that people go through, it's 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 just being human, right? And you should forgive yourself for being human. Because sometimes we, oftentimes we hold higher standards for ourselves than for others, as if we expect ourselves to be superhuman. Yeah. But no, just forgive yourself for being human. No, it's like the expectation of how we think we should uh, be perceived. It's like we think people will only like us if we're like the superhero. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, people actually just like people they just enjoy the company of and can relate to and you know uh, this is where the truth is important right because those are things that they've got going you know if you just lie and say things that no one can relate to and almost are intimidating then although you may sound more impressive you're, you're not relatable and you're maybe not even that much fun and so like at a like a bigger level you know we're living in this society and it creates challenges with forming these deeper connections. And so how do we navigate this? Like, you know, what sort of, what are the big challenges and how do people kind of work with that? Because people are struggling. It's, it's, a, it's a harsh world to form deep relationships. And a lot of people are lonely and a lot of people don't have support systems and close people to really share those important moments with. Well, what in the environment of our current society do you think makes it difficult for people to form deep relationships? I think part of it is there's definitely a feeling of like it's a feels a bit like values somewhat like the superficial, you know, you got to have the the newest car and you got to have all these material things. And so people move away from the, the simple and wholesome, you know, just just make some friends, just just share your experiences um, mm-hmm. and moving away from the experience that experiential aspect and more towards just having things. And then, you know, in tech, there's this valuation of, you know, if I speak to someone through a screen and I send, you know, a emoticon or a random meme and stuff. I mean, those are fun interactions, but people sort of maybe mistake those for like deep interactions and meaningful interactions. You know, that those are aspects to, you know, having fun and relationships and stuff, but that's not the the whole package. And I think maybe there's a lot of distraction out there. We're so distracted by all these things. We forget the, those core, you know, moments and things that just drive these things. It's, it's like we've been doing these things so long, but now we're so distracted with other things and, you know, also people are overworked and people, the media gives them all sorts of, maybe unhealthy ideas of what to be as a person, what's important, what you should do with your time. Oh, you got to have a fancy house and car and you got to have this and this. And it's just like bombarded with expectations. 
And I think even the ideas about you can't challenge things. I, I guess I feel this a lot. Like people feel like if someone has a thought or an opinion, we have to judge them and say that, well, it's either that they're the stuff. That's that means they're they're this amazing thing because they they think that, or it means they're you know they're they're bad or, and you know people are keeping it away from like people are not like them so you know there's kind of these prejudices that build and so maybe it's because people are feeling a bit more isolated but also distracted and maybe missing out on those learning experiences and those old school sort of valuable aspects to life and people that the world is painting these ideas that a fulfilling life doesn't have these deep relationships as the core part of them and that idea not being there like some a lot of people don't even think that that's important they don't even try it's like oh okay you know this i have a thousand friends on facebook or i have you know 50 friends in real life that that means that i have a fulfilled life um and maybe they're just my friends because we go out drinking and partying together but you know that's not going to create meaningful friends that maybe friends that help you in a tight spot or, you know, or the shoulder to, to crown or to support or just that person you can talk to or that person that understands you or that person that's always excited to engage in your ideas and values them. And so the world gives people a disadvantage for finding these things. Hmm. Yeah, but there's nothing in the environment that's really stopping you from going to talk to someone or for trying to engage in deeper relationships i mean sure like i could go on a whole spiel about how like uh, capitalist societies are built around trying to isolate us as much as possible but but i don't have to go into that here to for the point my point of ultimately it's a question of what are you valuing and what are your needs and if you if you are feeling like truly fulfilled by having um, maybe more shallow relationships, more coworker type, like just going out, like relationships where you just like just have fun and don't really talk about any personal things. If that's something that you are okay, if you are genuinely okay with, then there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I don't I don't think it's a common experience that like a lot of us are generally okay with that. I think most of us want to have some kind of deeper connections that we can someone we can be vulnerable with and for that i say i'll say the same things i said before that you first have to be vulnerable with yourself you have to be comfortable even expressing these ideas to yourself and then after that expressing them to others is easier and if you're worried about how other people are going to act if you get vulnerable you can you can preface it you can give them a warning and be like hey is it okay if i get a little vulnerable here i think yeah it has become trickier to to find the type of these types of people well how, how come they, so they're around you know but it's like if anything it's an experiential thing you learn like what types of things maybe those you know people that fulfill the types of emotional things you're looking for will do you know maybe they well, I first want to examine why do you think it's harder to find people like that? I think maybe they're not just in your immediate environment. 
you know you it's, you're not like at school where you're just bundled and like hey these are your people and at that stage in your life those type of relationships are fine but you know that like later on the types of relationships you may be looking for you kind of have to search for but they're not just given to you as your oh your coworker or you know that happens to be the perfect person for you to ha- hang out with or and so you might have to look into what things that might interest people like opportunities to debate people who maybe enjoy you know things that you find deep like connecting with the outdoors and nature maybe that's a good way people who do things that are intellectual maybe they're doing it because they feel like they're lacking intellectual stimulation in in their day-to-day and so they seek out those kind of activities and i think maybe the type of places that you kind of inherently go to because all the people who are around you go to like okay that everyone around you is partying so you only go to the parties but then you you don't get to meet to those the people who are maybe just chilling at home and just reading a book or you know absorbing some poetry or something and so it takes a bit to find on your own like you know sometimes we go party too <laughs> yeah yeah no so I, I mean i'm just doing the the general ideas I mean, I, I've met some cool people in partying, but they they haven't always been the most conducive environments for like deeper things. But, you know, maybe someone else has a different experience. But I think these are lessons I had to learn is how do you find these people? And uh, how do you, as you said, part of it is knowing where to look and what to look for. And that comes from understanding your emotional needs. Um, I mean, it's not just... I guess I didn't mean it as like where to look and what to look for from the emotional needs. The emotional needs are more like, what are you feeling for? And like, what are you actually, what are you actually trying to get? If you're trying to get like some, like feel like a personal support from a community, then you, you have to like provide some support too. And you have to be vulnerable too. Um, And yeah, I mean, a lot of people meet through hobbies. A lot of people meet through like shared spaces like uh, parks or community areas or bars or club events or, you know, hikes or whatever. Um, I challenge you, though, to meet someone, meet a stranger, meet someone who you like may not have any anything like on the surface and uncommon with because like ultimately like hobbies are very surface level like they're like because your hobbies can change your hobbies aren't a key part of who you are they're just something that is getting your attention maybe giving you a dopamine rush so if we stop looking at hobbies as like such a core part of who we are then we open ourselves to reconnect with ourselves as humans and hey there are a lot of humans around us and there are some things that are very common in the human experience. There are a lot of shared parts of the human experience just by living in our societies that you can connect with people on. What would you say are things that, that it would help a lot if they did change? Like what sort of things would like be positive on maybe a bigger level and even a smaller, more environmental level? What would you like to see more of in people interacting in the world in their journeys to find deep relationships and the world enabling that i i always find like get a warm feeling when i see people like 
just strangers sitting at the park and chatting with each other. Like two people that seem to like have nothing in, like just seem to be just randomly chatting at on a bench or, um, you know, people helping each other out. Just these like moments where we don't see each other for the things we're doing. We see each other for we're trying to see each other for the people we are. And part of that is being comfortable with yourself. And before you become comfortable with yourself, you have to come to terms with your own vulnerabilities and your own shadow. And so I wish people would do more work to understand the parts of themselves that they are more ashamed of and coming to terms with it and accepting that those parts are, are part of you, at yeah. least right now. If you have these expectations of you know what a deep relationship means to you and someone else who meets those you know maybe has those same expectations back so you know if you want someone who's very deeply into philosophy and you know you know you don't have much to offer there i would also say just just try to not have any expectations going into it i have this philosophy around relationships that there are two different archetypes of a relationship and so there is a relationship architect and a relationship gardener the architect has a lot of expectations of what they want in a relationship. They go into the relationship with a plan and they, they have an idea of what they want and how they're going to get it. They just don't know who is going to fill in the gap to be that relationship. Um, and being an architect is great because you can have full control over the relationship and how it will be. Um, but you know, you mu- you have to find someone who wants to build that same relationship and you better be a good architect because if the foundation is flawed, then the relationship could ultimately crumble. The other archetype is a relationship gardener. And this is what I now more closely align myself to. A gardener doesn't tell the plants how they're going to grow. A gardener can only affect the plants, which would be the relationships in this case, via the conditions around it, the so- pro- providing proper soil and nutrients in the soil, water, sun, and space, giving the relationship the proper boundaries to grow because some of these relationships will blossom into beautiful with beautiful flowers. Some will wither. Some will become expansive ivies that could threaten to take over other relationships, which is why it's important to also have boundaries. Yeah. But the point of the gardener is that the gardener does not have a plan for the relationships. The gardener just provides the right nutrients and the right environment for the relationship, for any relationship to thrive. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you create a, a toxic and um, unconducive environment, you know, things may fall apart fast. Yeah. But And if you're a gardener that doesn't know how to deal with like, how to deal with plants, you're not going to be a very good gardener. You have to understand yourself too, as well as the things you're dealing, you're growing. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you're in, internal environment is destructive and the environment you create for yourself is is, is not great and you're bringing them into that environment um you know it's it's like you're bringing them into the middle of a war <laughs> i don't think everyone wants to be living in a war zone so i encourage people to remove their expectations of what they think a deep relationship ultimately is and instead feel it and let it just 
provide the every, every relationship the ability to grow. And that's the whole point of my philosophy that you never know who's going to change your life. The idea is that we our expectations, if we just went on expectations, we wouldn't have met anyone in our lives. Like it's yeah. only because we take these leaps of faith and we make connections without expectations that we make these deep relationships. So acknowledge that and and do it. And maybe you, you learn more about what deep, meaningful relationships means to you as you explore and try these yeah. things and live without expectations. Oh, yeah. And it will change over time based on where you are in your life. So it's just worthwhile to just not go in with any expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I think like on the side of like things you can sort of, I guess, direct or go to, like if you think at this stage in your life, something is part of what means for a deeper, more meaningful relationship uh, is whether it's you know talking about that kind of thing or exploring those kind of ideas or you know relating on those kind of emotions then i think the more you explore those within yourself and explore those topics you'll you know find greater joy in it you'll become more enthusiastic you'll become more knowledgeable and you will you know if you practice these things but also if you develop these things you know and then you're gonna maybe attract someone who's also developed to practice these things and uh, because there's just the so much to to offer on those fronts that if you think something's important to you just get deep into it as much as you can maybe and look for people who may be into it too and you know that could be a good way to find what you what works well for you it's uh if anything it's a uh, it's like a lighthouse effect like people are like if you know you're always talking about a type of thing and you know, I have a friend who's like uh, into psychology and he's always talking about uh, psychology and, you know, he's like chatting to people and, and those kind of conversations. And he's he's mm -hmm. got like a lot of time put into it. And like, you know, immediately someone will, you know, approach him and know like what he's into and easily get kind of drawn into that kind of conversation and know how to, you know, interact with him and also um, immediately f kind of find joy in what they find joy in and maybe that gives a kickstart in terms of what type of people find you and also how they get to know you and so i found that an interesting way to also find these deeper things more easily but also maybe more meaningfully um you know if something's really important to you if you go hard at it it, it, it can become like a really core part of your life maybe and maybe that excites other people who also think it's a core part of their life so yeah yeah i found that very helpful like the different types of relationships is there like a difference in in what depth is is there so you know families friendships and long-term partners like is depth meaning the same thing i mean beyond the obvious or is there like different types does those roles have a big impact on how you should approach, you know, finding depth in those relationships? Mm, I don't, I don't think the type of relationship should matter for the, how, like what depth means to you. And if it does, then like, that's something to reflect on too. But like we said earlier, that's a, a relationship means is very personal. Yeah. So I have a thought the, so I've noticed that, like close friendships 
at at least at my age bracket seem to be put to the aside i notice a lot like people you know sometimes like get a partner and then they they or they it's not even if they're in a partnership or not they they'll forget about the the value of close friends they'll be like well you know i have to have that thing that's the only goal that matters in in deep relationship um and then you know sometimes people could even do the same with families you know family relationships are important but they're like oh you know families are just people i happen to have around me but i do notice that people have can become very focused on one type and ignore the other types and in my like personal um, circles i've noticed that sometimes people do this with close friendships they'll they'll be thriving on the other fronts but they'll almost won't try to make, have close friends or and I don't know, that's a challenge, I think, where, you know, the interactions become a bit, like, strange. It's like they, they're not looking to find depth with you. They, and they're not, you know, maintaining their friendships. Um, they, You know, it's like uh, bros before hoes, I guess. <laughs> I, I just wanted to do, like, a how much your mother reference. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I just noticed in, in, like, a feeling of that, like, close friendships being just like, uh, you know, friends come and go. You know, I don't need those or those aren't important. And I've just felt like sometimes they've been put to the wayside in the circles I know. And I don't know, it's strange. Uh, is it just like a, the way the world is or is it just where people are at this stage in life? It's an interesting one to me, me. I think it reflects more on them than on you, obviously. It could just be that they think that the relationships they have are all that they need, uh, which maybe that's maybe it's true. Maybe that's all they need. And that's definitely a shame. But I would also like I would ask them, the people that are doing that. And I'm sure there are a multitude of reasons, but I would ask like, hey, why? I mean, were these relationships what are the, did you have deep, close relationships with them before they got into these relation, other relationships? Or um, it's not all me. It's <laughs> it's things I've seen in in my mm-hmm. personal things. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they've just they're people who have never really or don't have any like close friendships around them. They've just been so focused on on the other types of deep relationships that they've never even you know try to do it or they've never maintained it or they don't prioritize them and that shows the dangers of having expectations around relationships if you expect your relationships with your male friends for instance to be very shallow then they will inevitably be shallow because you're never going to get vulnerable and personal with them so you're never going to give the relationship the chance to grow into the beautiful plant flower that it could be versus so that's why like maybe they say like oh i'm looking for maybe the perfect spouse who will have everything i need and once i find that person i don't need anyone else in my life because this is my sole uh, beacon of of support that's what i call toxic monogamy where you use a single relationship or very few relationships to like circumvent this need of a broader community support. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't think it's sustainable long term because I don't think it's fair on to put on your partner that they are going to be your sole like provider emotionally. Um, it's hard enough being like a partner with someone, let alone being also their therapist and co-parent and like business partner or whatever, like and best friend. Like that's a lot of roles to have in one person. 
Yeah, and maybe even their family also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't, especially for the men out there, uh, don't discount your your friendships with other men. Like those are just as important as every other relationship in your life. If you connect with someone, it means something. And if you don't feel like you are comfortable getting personal with them, then that's something to reflect on. Where does that discomfort come from? Is it from you or is the relationship just not the place to be comfortable, to be personal? And yeah, I suppose it's, you you can't change people. So it's, yeah. And you shouldn't expect to change people. Yeah, exactly. They've decided what's important to them and they know they're very fully capable of of living life how they want to, right? Yeah. And like, trust me, I have many friends who, make decisions but also are like blocked from their own emotions so maybe they're like making decisions that are counterproductive to or like counter to what they actually their needs are but they haven't been able to figure out their needs because uh, of various traumas or something like that um and that's definitely a shame but you can't we can't change people they have to want to change and we can only be there for them uh throughout the process if you want to be there for them, but you also have to protect yourself. It's a balancing act and there is no right or wrong answer. There is no silver bullet. It's just like reflecting what your needs are and protecting yourself and respect, respecting yourself and respecting the other people in the relationship. No, yeah, there's a, there's a balance. There's if everything you do is, is for them and you don't respect what's important to you and your well-being and stuff, you're going to be very unhappy eventually, right? Because you're not taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. you're, everything. But then also, if you're only focusing on what you want out of the relationship and, you know, what you can get and what, what you're getting out of it, well, you know, that to them, they're not there just to facilitate your fun, right? They're there to, to have a meaningful experience with you, um, yeah. not for you. I just want to say, I really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this too. It's always great chatting. So that brings us to the end of an enlightening episode. A big thanks to you, Vahaken, for sharing your insights and experiences on forming deeper relationships. Remember, the depth of your relationships often reflects the depth of your character. So let's strive to build and maintain those deep connections. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Power of Perspective with Stephen for more updates and behind-the-scenes content. Till next time, this is Stephen Ritchie, reminding you to keep broadening your perspective. Mm-hmm.